0: So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please navigate to secondwindcollective.com for more info. Again, that's secondwindcollective.com. Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and as always, coming in from Oakville, Ontario, this is Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, Cliff. Uh, this week we're going to be continuing to talk about the TurboGrafx-16 and some of the games we played and some of our memories of it growing up. hoo yeah? Yeah, last time we got into the Bonk's Adventure franchise pretty <laughs> extensively...
1: <laughs> yeah, it pretty much should have Instead of being like a TurboGrafx-16 retrospecticus, it should have just been Box Adventure. And, oh yeah, we said the names of a couple other games, too.
0: <laughs> so this week, uh, we're going to go into a little bit more detail on other games we played. Uh-huh. There's some weirder stuff out there that we played, for sure, that we can talk about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but first, uh, let's talk about the games that we've been playing currently. I don't know about Great. you, Cliff. I have a couple to talk about.
1: Uh, yeah, you go ahead. I haven't, I haven't played too many. But uh, what have you, what have you been doing?
0: All right, well, Cliff, you must build a boat. <laughs> must I? Yes, <laughs> that is the imperative offered to you by this game that just got released. You must build a boat. Oh, that's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. Oh, I see.
1: I see what you did there. Thank you. Uh, and what do you do in the game? Do you build a boat? Yes. <laughs>
0: Would you like to believe? Yeah, you do. Um, Okay. This is a sequel to the game 10 Million, which came out a couple years ago. And they're both very similar. They're match-three games, but unlike some other match-three games, while you're doing the puzzle, on the bottom, three-quarters of the screen, and the top quarter, there's a little dude running through a dungeon. And it's your... Yeah, and it's your objective to help him fight the hazards of the dungeon by matching the appropriate tiles when he comes up against certain hazards. Okay, that's cool. That's neat. And so, like, for example, if you fight a monster, you can match three swords, or you can match three staffs to do, like, Mm -hmm. physical and magic damage, or you can match three shields to give him a defense buff. Okay. And then if there's a, a chest, you need to match three keys...
1: That's neat. That's very cool. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Puzzle Quest. Did you ever play Puzzle
0: Quest? I did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's uh, something similar. I mean, you're not. It's not quite as uh, direct, but you'd still match the colors, and you'd get the uh, you, uh, whichever color you matched was the amount of power that you got, and you could use that power to do different sorts of spells and that sort of thing. Um, but along the same lines.
0: And w- part of what was interesting about Puzzle Quest, if I recall correctly, is that you and an AI opponent, or you and a human opponent were playing off the same board. Yes, you were. Yeah, you totally were. So there's probably some strategy there. I, I didn't play too far, but probably strategy about like, not setting your opponent up with good stuff, if you could avoid it.
1: Yeah, whereas trying to take all the good stuff for yourself. I th- I seem to recall if you got like combos or things like that, you could go again. Or uh, if you got four in a row, it would, uh, you know... Increase the amount of magic that you got, or that sort of stuff. And if there were skulls that landed in the field, and if you matched the skulls together, it did direct damage to your opponents. So it was always good to try and get those skulls and hope that you could link up
0: other magic afterwards. Mm. (laughs) And then, uh, but also with you must build a boat. There are persistent elements between uh, each run. Like (laughs) one kind of weird thing about the game is that I mean, you're you're going on runs through the, the dungeon. When you run out of pieces, or when your guy. Your guy's always running, and if he falls too far behind from damage or not matching enough tiles, then your run ends. But it always says, you win.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you win because you work together.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, it's like... But, yeah, there's no sense of accomplishment. It's just like another event has happened. But it always says you win, regardless of how well or poorly you did on each run. Uh,
1: that's kind of like everyone gets a trophy day.
0: Pretty much. Pretty much. But after every run, you do get to take any gold you earned, and then mm-hmm. there are other attributes you can pick up as well, and then you can spend them to upgrade your sword tiles. Oh, right. uh, neat. So mm-hmm. you, when you match three swords, they're more powerful. Mm-hmm. Or you can develop other aspects of your character, like the the item drops from the chests you open or the, mm-hmm. how fast the monsters will attack you, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's pretty neat. So are you trying to... Uh, go through the same dungeon every time, and then you die and go back to the beginning. But you buff up your character a lot, and then try and go through the same dungeon.
0: That's right. Uh, there are like different like levels of the game where the dungeon changes up a little bit. There are new monsters, or and there's like new backgrounds. But it's basically the same all the way through.
1: Right. That's pretty cool. So it sounds to me a lot like a uh, a bejeweled version of something like Rogue Legacy, almost.
0: It's that's very apt. Yes, that's uh, a very much a hybrid between match three puzzle games and roguelike or roguelike games. Definitely, uh, definitely nice. very, great point. That's very
1: cool. Um, I mean the 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 name kind of threw me off the top, but now it sounds like it's got a bunch of things that I really like.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know, you'd figure the the first game I actually might I can't remember if it was one million or ten million to be honest. Okay. Um, but you'd figure that there'd be like a sequel would be like two million. Or you know, ten million or hundred million, not just yeah. completely arbitrarily named. It seems.
1: Yeah. Well, you already got the ten million in the first game, and now it's like, well, you kind of got to get jumping on that boat. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to build itself, so it's just something else you have to do.
0: And, and what uh. I appreciate about the game most of all is that it was a it was a pay game. I, I paid two dollars for it, but because of that, it's free of a lot of the. Trappings that games like Candy Crush have, where mm. you can just play and play and play as much as you want during any given sitting.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't need to uh, wait for like your timer to fill up again or anything like that, right?
0: Right, exactly. And so, I mean, you know, for better or for worse, I, I played for about six hours. There's an in-game timer, and I played over a week, and now I'm. Like okay, never need to go back and do that again.
1: (laughs) That's cool. Is it on uh, iOS or uh, is it on Steam or what's it on?
0: It is on both iOS and Steam. (gasps) Finally, and I'm not sure if it's on Android or not. If you have the option, uh, I would. Well, iOS is a little cheaper. Steam was five bucks. iOS was two. Mm -hmm. But I did have a little trouble with like eye strain playing on my phone.
1: Yeah, I could imagine that would be a problem. Um, I mean, I don't do a whole lot of gaming on my phone nowadays but it's it is I am getting older and the screen is staying the same size as it always was so <laughs> <laughs> it could be a could be an issue
0: And uh, that would be just as good of a segue as any into the other mobile game I played this week which was Fallout shelter. Oh yeah yeah how is that? So Fallout shelter is the free to play game that was released at the same time that the e3 presentation for Fallout 4 happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, This is a free-to-play game And it is very similar to a lot of other free-to-play games And it's like a It's a building management simulator Okay
1: As- Um, What's it uh, uh, What would be a game you'd compare it to then?
0: I would compare it to Tiny Tower Okay,
1: yeah, cool I was, I was trying to think of the name for that But I, I totally didn't But yeah, something like that
0: Okay, that's neat so you have to build different rooms throughout your your shelter to power it up to keep people fed and keep them with water. And you want to keep them happy, if possible. You need to try and find the best skill for each individual tenant. And then you also want to send people out into the world to explore and bring back, like, things they can scavenge from the wasteland. Cool.
1: Cool. The so a whole lot of uh, just managing all the people that you have and sending them out for the right things when you need them at the right time.
0: Right, and everything you do, though, has a timer. So, like, if you have even just a room that's a power generator, and you've got two dudes in there, then it takes, like, five minutes for the room to generate power units that can then be applied to your power reserve. Hmm. (laughs) Excuse me. And everything in the game works on a timer like that, so the general intent is that you would play, like, a few minutes every day, or a few minutes, like, every 12 hours... Like, go mm-hmm. in, collect all your resources, set everybody up, build your new rooms, and then head back out. And then, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And just, I guess my only issue was, I mean, if that's a thing you're fine with doing, that that's fine, but the part where you send the people out into the wasteland to, like, gather supplies, mm-hmm. that's what I want to be
1: doing. <laughs> that's what you want to play, right? You, just, you don't want to just wait for people to do this.
0: Right, and, like... It'll even do a, like a running narration, showing okay. what is happening to your people on the outside. Like, oh, I ran into a giant ant. I shot the ant. I got four XP. I found a jacket. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to shoot that ant. I want to get that jacket. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's. Uh, I mean, I. You know, they're doing the best they can with the limited resources within the context of this game. But it just made gave me a taste for the thing I really wanted. Which is Fallout Four.
1: Which is Fallout Four, ultimately. Well that's very cool. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a nice way for them to like just kinda like make like sort of a fun game, get people thinking a lot about Fallout again, get people really, you know, into the universe again, really ready to go out and explore. That's a very clever way to do it.
0: And it's really working. I, I believe it has passed Candy Crush now as the most downloaded game on the app store.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Bethesda then, eh?
0: Yeah, I would say congrats. Yeah, just the like I was saying with uh you must build a boat iStream big problem. Your your tenants are very tiny for I have a, I have an iPhone 5 and they're very tiny on that screen. <laughs> so maybe it's better if you have an iPad.
1: Yeah, well, I have an iPhone 4, oh. uh, which is uh it's a little nicer than the 5, 5 for various reasons. It's like sometimes the 5 is like it's almost got like too many features, you know. It's just it's too much, you know. It's it's bigger, it's heavier, <laughs> okay. it takes longer to charge. You know, it's like the battery life is too much. I'm I'm like, come on, who are you trying to impress? I'll just stick with my four, thank you. Uh, which actually sometimes uh, stops being able to make phone calls, which is which is a fun feature. It just like I'll turn it on, I'll get like maybe three phone calls, and then I'll try and call someone. It's just like no. Nope, You you can't, you're not going to do that anymore So I have to restart the phone Uh, Which I like actually You know, it really helps me You know, uh, keep in mind What's important Right.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean It it makes you value the success you have And learn to tolerate And understand the fail And internalize that
1: Yeah, exactly, you know, it fails And I'm like, oh, that's just a part of life Thank you, old iPhone, for teaching me To stay resilient In times of stress (laughs)
0: Uh, Are there any other uh, Aging products you've played with this week That you have a review of?
1: Uh, No, not that I can think of Um, I have played a new game This week, but it is is a, a Board game, more accurately A card game Um, but it's called Machi Koro and it's a Japanese game or it's a game from Japanese but in it uh, you are buying cards or you have cards and um, they have numbers up at the top which correspond to the sides of a die and at the start of your turn you roll the die and whichever number comes up that activates whichever number card you have so let's say you get a 2 you roll a 2 then the card that has a 2 on it activates so you get that ability um, and the whole game is about accumulating Coins so that you can build Four landmarks And you can also buy other cards That let you do different things So there's a bunch of strategies with the game You can uh, try and build one certain landmark Early on which lets you roll two dice And then you can get Even higher numbers which gives you more bonuses Or you can like focus on a few specific numbers And get big bonuses when they come up But it happens less frequently um, But uh, it's fun It's very cute um, It does come in an aggressively large box, like a, like one that's way. It's probably about you know, I don't know, like maybe like ten inches across. It's like a big it's a big square box, but all the pieces you can fit into like a tiny little card case, right? Yeah. Um, but that's you know that's something that uh, game designers game developers do. Uh, one, they put a big box in there with lots of space For any potential expansions for the game Which is nice But two, because it stands out more prominently on shelves You know, it's a bigger box It's got nice big artwork and everything on like that It's a very simple game But, you know, it's, uh makes it easier to see When it's uh, bigger, I guess, on the shelf uh, and the artwork's very cute and everything like that. And it's nice. I think it's a, it's a very, you know, simple, straightforward sort of game. It's definitely a very, you know, filler game. You'd play it at the beginning of an evening, and it's got some cool uh, mechanics and things like that in it. Um, but it's neat.
0: I think it's neat. I think that's kind of interesting, that something you touched on, is like the, like, if you're doing a gaming evening, it's almost like a multi-course dinner, where, like, you have <laughs> different yeah. types of games that you play throughout the evening.
1: Yeah, it uh, it it really is. Um, if you look into the like the tabletop gaming community at all, um, there's this term that keeps coming up over and over and over, and it's something called a filler game. And the implication is that a filler game is something that can be like explained, set up, and played in the span of half an hour. So it's just like a quick game to get people into like that sort of gaming, you know. Mindset, shall we say. So you invite people over. Instead of jumping into something that's big and heavy and is going to take a really long time, you play a few like quick small games at the beginning and then people are sort of like they're ready to go, right? So it's your amuse-bouche of the uh, gaming world, if you will. Um, but the interesting thing is that a lot of these games, which are generally classified as being filler games, are really, really good as well and have some really, really neat mechanics and things like that in it. They're just more simpler sort of games um, but you could spend an entire evening just playing these very very simple games. Uh, one game that's classified as being a filler game is uh, called Coup. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of Coup, but in nah. uh, well, it's it's great. You should you should check it out. But uh, in Coup, uh, you're dealt two cards, and these two cards are two characters. And there's five total characters in the game, um, and they do different things. Uh, they let you take more coins, or steal coins from another person, or try and like kill someone for fewer coins. Um, these sorts of things. Uh, your two identities, though, your two cards, are hidden from everybody else. So in coup, you're allowed to lie and say that you have any one of the abilities, right, and try and do all that sort of stuff. So one of the uh, characters that people lie about all the time is the Duke, because the Duke lets you take three coins, uh, whereas normally you can only take like one or two. Um, and it, it's, there aren't very many coins going around, so three coins is a lot. Um, but um, if I said I had the Duke, for example, and you said, and you called me on it, you said, no, I don't think that's true. You don't have the Duke. And it turns out that I was lying that I lose one of my character cards. And remember, I only have two to begin with. Yeah, wow. Um, as soon as you lose both your character cards, you turn them both face up, you're out. You're out of the game. Um, But when you call me on that lie If it turns out I was telling the truth Then you would lose One of your character cards Um, And all the same time This sort of lying and bluffing is going on You're trying to amass coins So you can launch a coup on somebody Which makes them lose one of their characters automatically And it can't be blocked Uh, You can try and assassinate people uh, Which costs fewer coins But there's a character that can block assassinations For example Um, So The whole game is super, super tight mechanically. When you play a game, there's only 15 cards in total. There's only three of each character, right? And so everybody's got two cards, so you're pretty sure what cards are out there. You may kind of have an idea of what's going on. Maybe somebody reveals something, and you're like, oh, okay, they have one certain card, but maybe there might be other cards somewhere else. Um, But uh, it's really, really interesting. And i played that game, only that game, for an entire evening. Several times, but generally is classified as a filler game, which is uh, interesting because it's still really, really good.
0: I mean, that sounds very interesting with the the bluffing and the need to know or have an idea of what you believe every person has. That seems Mm -hmm. pretty challenging, but something Mm -hmm. you could play pretty quickly and easily and throw away if needed. Yeah,
1: yeah, you can pull it out. You get you set everybody up. You know, you explain all the cards. And I always every time I explain it I I explain the whole game and I say like you have two character cards and they could be any of these five and I explain them all and I explain the coins and all that method and then I say and here's the last thing you're allowed to lie about any card you want and then everybody's like whoa okay (laughs) all right they have that moment where they're like all right now we're into it right which is very cool um so um Koo is very similar to Machikoro Koro in the sense that they're both, you know, you can set them up both easily and play them both easily and all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, they're they're neat, they're fun little, uh, just cute uh, games. Um, Machikoro Koro is uh, very very popular apparently, um, and I can definitely see why because it's uh, it's it's fun. It's a
0: fun game. Did you find both like, or could you find both on Amazon? I'm assuming. Yeah,
1: yeah, you totally could. Um, I walked into, like, just a local game store and I found Machi Koro. Uh, Koo, for a long time, was out of print because it was it had a super popular first run. And when I say super popular in the board game market, super popular means, like, a thousand copies were <laughs> sold, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's the, that's the goal. No one ever, <laughs> like, being able to sell as many copies of, like, Catan um, is remarkable, right? People are like, oh, I sold a thousand games. People are like, you made it! <laughs> so... Um, but, uh, yeah, they're both available online. Um, and uh, they're both really, really good. As far as I know, you can get both of them. Actually, no, I think Machi Core is a little bit more expensive. But you can get Coup for about $20. Bucks. Mm. Um, and it's uh, worthwhile because, you know, they're small games. You can bring them around with you. You set them up quickly. They're they're super good. Um, so <laughs> it's interesting. I haven't actually played Coup this week, but I could still talk, you know, still talk about it. But, uh, yeah, Machi Coral was... Uh, My new sort of game for the week Uh, In terms of video games though I haven't really played uh, Too much of anything I've sold a few games Actually a couple of days ago I sold my copy Of The Stick of Truth Because yes because I've played it and I've gone through and I enjoyed it And everything like that And I got some money for it And I like money (laughs) That's good
0: good strategy
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah So not too many uh, video games this week But uh,
0: hey there you go Alright. Well, in that case, let's move right on over to talking about the TurboGrafx-16.
1: Ah, yes. Yes, Yes, indeed. indeed. Now, we... You kind of did the uh, a bit of an intro to the console last time we were talking about the tg 16 weren't you?
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I think for the most part we can skip that. Just uh, if you are interested in knowing more about the history behind the console, we covered some of that in Part 1, and that was Episode 10. And also, uh, there have been several articles about like the history and the times of the system. Sutra has one that was very good. Uh, goes through like the history through the er creation of the system all the way up through the end of it in like 1994
1: Mm -hmm. um I was listening to that uh that podcast the episode 10 podcast and uh it's very much, like, I listen to myself, and it's very much, I'm like, oh, yeah, the turbografx like came out, and, like, and you're like, whatever. And you're like, well, actually, no. And then you kind of go off and explain it a little bit, and you're like, well, no, they did this or sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it looks kind of dumb. And you're like, yeah, but they, you know, they did that for a reason, and they, you know, this is why they did it. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and the whole time I'm <laughs> listening to it, I'm definitely like, yeah, I probably should have looked up a lot of that stuff beforehand, but,
0: uh, man, who's got time? <laughs> well... It, it's. It, I'm, I apologize, it wasn't... A lot of that I, I learned from reading articles like the one on Gama Sutra, and a lot of this, pretty much everything I know about video games I get from other video game podcasts, <laughs> such as like right. Giant Bobcast or Idle Thumbs or especially Retronauts for this one in particular because they mm-hmm. cover older video games mm-hmm. and that's where I know a lot about... No, it's
1: it's uh, it's good. You you really don't need to apologize for that. It's uh, it's very much like I can just be like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Bill, what is was what this? Okay, I got it. The TurboGraphic sixteen came out, etc. <laughs> just just uh, That's what we should do for now. And I should just be like, Bill, what what was going on with this? Because I I don't know. <laughs>
0: oh boy, pressure.
1: Yeah, all that pressure.
0: Uh, so with that
1: in mind, uh, last time I talked a lot about Bonk's Adventure. So w- as I was saying,
0: in Bonk's okay, Adventure... So as you were <laughs> saying, we c- I'm more than happy to have you discuss any non-Bonk or Zonk title the game that came okay. out for the TurboGrafx-16. Okay. I have some I'd like to discuss, but I'm happy to for you to discuss <laughs> some as well. Well, yeah,
1: I was... Uh, uh- I was going to say, since I spent so long talking about Box Adventure, if there was a game that you wanted to start talking about this week uh, with Graphics, then uh, you have the floor.
0: Well, let's talk about the very first game that I can recall playing for the Graphics, and I think really the first game that many people who owned the system would have played, which is Keith Courage and Alpha Zones, mm, which was yeah. the pack-in title that came with the Graphics.
1: Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, Now, in that game, you sort of play as a, I guess, a, a boy of some kind, perhaps a soldier, and you're traveling through, like, a world of light. But then, as I remember, you can warp to this other crazy world where you play as, like, a cyborg sort of mech, and you're kind of going through and trying to destroy things, moving in the opposite direction that you were from the light world. And so you're continually warping back and forth between the world where you're a boy and the world where you're this insane robot.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, every every level has two sections, like an, an overworld, a light world, and an underworld, a dark world. And the the overworld is usually a bit more platformy, a lot, a bit more about hitting jumps. And then you can go into shops and buy various upgrades for your character. You can restore your health. You can buy special items. And this is all to like prepare you for when you go into the underworld part, which is more. I would say combat oriented there are a lot more monsters down there and they can hit a lot harder and at the end of the underworld you drop down into like a third uh, blue tinged background which is I guess an under underworld (laughs) and you fight the boss right and this pretty much repeats for I think there are eight levels in the game I never have beaten Keith Courage because it is very tedious Uh, but at the time I didn't really worry about that too much
1: Yeah, I don't remember getting far in that game at all. Like, I remember doing, like, the first overworld area and thinking, like, whoa, this is hard, and then getting into the underworld area and being like, this is crazy, and then I had no idea what was happening.
0: Um, Well, to the game's credit, uh, there is a continue feature that appears after you die, and you get continued back to whichever over or underworld you have most recently made it to.
1: That's nice. That is nice. So even though it's difficult, they're putting in—they're saving your state pretty frequently.
0: They are, and that's a small grace, because there are a lot of times where you need to... I mean, the, after every level, you basically need to upgrade your sword. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you keep the old swords, then you're not going to be able to do damage to the new color-swapped enemies that you're fighting that are the same as the last ones, but they have new colors and now they take more damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the cost of the swords goes up over time. It's like starts out as like five hundred gold, then it's a thousand gold, then two thousand. But the amount of gold you get always, I believe, stays the same. Okay. So, all like, right. you you whack a guy, you get one gold coin, which is worth five dollars. Sure. You whack you, you might get lucky and get two gold coins out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, after a while, like around like level five or six, all you are doing is walking back and forth in the overworld spawning new enemies because they will infinitely spawn if you wait out there long enough and just grinding. Grinding and getting coins so you can buy the next sword so you can actually harm the enemies in the underworld.
1: Really? Oh, I had no idea that mechanic was in that game. When I played it, that never even crossed my mind because I guess when I was a kid and I was playing that, I just assumed I was just like, yeah, get to the end, it'll be fine. So <laughs> I had no idea.
0: Well, without reading the manual, you definitely... I mean, there are, there are houses, but it's never like... Emphatically put out there that like you should walk into the houses. You have to kind of just know like if you press up near a door. Sometimes, not all the time, just sometimes you'll walk in and there'll be a guy. I'll be like, "Hey, I'll sell you some stuff." <laughs> not all the
1: time, no. That's the tricky thing because I'd try and go into one door, and if I couldn't go in it, I'd be like, Oh, I can't go in any doors in this game."
0: And like I know at the time, I didn't. I placed even less value on my free time than I do now, and. Even back then, I was like, this is kind of boring. Like, walking back and forth, <laughs> whacking guys, getting the gold. I got a
1: lot of things to do on the slide this afternoon, so I can't spend all my night dicking around, getting coins in the overworld. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but, oh, that's
1: fun. Yeah. That's
0: fun. It kind of was. It kind of was. It, it, it wasn't... Bonk's Adventure really is what entertained me a lot more, mm-hmm. comparatively. And also, going back to play it now, like, I went back and played it a little bit just to get a feel for the game again, and the platforming is really gummy. Like, there's a very big delay on when you hit the jump button and when Keith mm. will hop up. He'll actually do it. Yeah. yeah.
1: hmm So why do you think, if it's if it's clunky, like the way that you're describing it, why do you think it was picked to be the pack-in title with the TurboGrafx?
0: Ooh, I... Man, I don't know, to be honest. Um, mm one thing th- I, I'm sorry. One thing I can say is that they did include with the game. Well, first off, the game is based on an anime in Japan, and that was completely scrubbed for the American version. <laughs> and okay. instead, you get this insane comic book story about how, like, the the monsters of bad have invaded. Bad is an acronym, by the way. Uh, oh, and okay. invaded the earth and your dad died trying to fight them and now you have to wear his suit of armor oh. which was effectively his tomb if you think about it yeah, you, yeah
1: in a lot of ways that's that's the suit he died in
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have to take up the sword for him but it's I'm, I'm going to post the the comic because it is really <laughs> crazy
1: that sounds really crazy Oh, so i I really wonder what was it I seem to remember like it was graphically good, like maybe like when you were uh in the actual mech part, I seem to remember that being pretty interesting or like pretty dynamic, or it like played differently or something like that, but I don't remember it well enough to be able to say like, yeah the graphics were super good.
0: Well, I will say compared to a Nintendo game, the graphics are much better, oh, uh, okay. like Keith. Has, is a l- lot bigger than the average NES sprite he, he's more mm-hmm. colorful and mm-hmm. he's kind of chunky but uh, the robot he he moves, he, he'll get around the screen like a buzzsaw mm-hmm. and the game looks crisp like your movement looks sharp so that compared to a lot of NES games that would have been a significant improvement I would say
1: yeah, yeah do you think, maybe, is there a delay when you jump, when you play as the robot or the mech or whatever it is
0: a bit, yeah. Still a little bit.
1: Still a little bit, but he moves more smoothly, though.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Because, because I wonder if that wasn't done, you know, intentionally, right? They designed the way that the mech works or the mech moves, and then Keith himself, they slow down the way that he moves or they slow down the way that he interacts, just to show a bigger difference in ability from when you're just regular Keith versus Keith in the suit.
0: That would have been. That's a rational design choice if they wanted to contrast the two characters.
1: Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem as though they'd be able to say, like, okay, Keith moves like this, now we've got to make the mech move better just because of limitations with the technology. They'd say, okay, this is what the mech does, so let's make Keith worse than that. Let's slow him down because the technology can still handle it.
0: Um, like maybe that, they... that does make sense because, yeah, they have to make, I mean, with design limitations, they had to make the upper upper world a platformer and then the underworld is also a platformer. So you have to contrast mm-hmm. that somehow. So that, that, mm-hmm. that would make sense. I, I would believe that. Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, maybe that's what it is. We wouldn't be able to tell now because everybody who made the game is dead. <laughs> 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 no, they're not dead. They're just sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> they're,
0: they're probably all just working for some regular company or in something else. Japan. Yeah,
1: and they just kind of work on their computer and then they just kind of look out the window and, <sighs> and then they kind of look at their desk and they got Keith Courage, a little heart shaped frame on their desk. <laughs> and they, ah, what could have been. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Maybe it might happen. Um, Yeah, so Keith Courage. I don't know. I'd want to go back and play it again, because I remember it being like a big, you know, it was a big thing that the TurboGrafx really liked to sell. And I I feel like I'm more resilient now than I would have been as a kid. Like, as a kid, if I wasn't good at it, I would have just not played it. (laughs) Which is dumb, because it's like, how do you learn how to play new games? Well, you don't. (laughs) Um... But uh, it nowadays it sounds like you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, this is tricky. Let's try and you know figure it out a
0: little bit more. But yeah. Well, I think all of these games. I think every game we've talked about is available on the Wii Virtual Console.
1: Hmm. Is Keith Courage on there
0: too? Then I'm pretty sure there. I when I checked there were like over 50 games available. hmm And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I saw Keith on there. I know I saw all the Bonk games on there, Air Zonk, and mm-hmm. almost everything. The only things like. That we might talk about I might talk a little bit about Tailspin And I don't think that would be on there Because it's a licensed It's
1: licensed isn't it Yeah okay let's talk about Tailspin for a little bit So Tailspin was a port of the show Tailspin Which in itself was a spin off from the Jungle Book As far as I remember
0: Yeah so that might take a little setting up For some of our listeners (laughs) (laughs) Okay alright
1: let's go back And give more context
0: (laughs) So there's this movie uh, In the 70's I'm, I don't know. You, ta- you talking yeah. about the Jungle Book? Yeah, the Jungle Book. I do not know. All right, so there's a movie called The Jungle Book. It's got animals that talk. They adapted it into an early 1990s cartoon, where mm-hmm. all it's like an alternate universe fan fiction, basically, where all the kid. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. It's like that, that is what is. it is. That's all it is. Yeah. The the human <laughs> kid is gone, and all the animals are now. Working in like a World War Two era ish shipping company.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's natural. That's just what they do now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like the yeah. I that that's it. That's, yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. Okay, good, good stuff. And so this, like the the main draw of the, like the exciting action of the of the TV show is that they fly a, a plane. Mm-hmm. Which was what was oh man what's the name of the plane the Sea Duck it was named the Sea Duck
1: <laughs> that's remarkable
0: and none of that really happens in Tailspin it's like a lot of licensed games like we talked about in the South Park episode it's uh, mm-hmm. just a uh, Baloo the main character jumping around
1: it is him jumping around and as I recall you get to jump around and do you have to collect puzzle pieces
0: yes well, yeah you collect yeah it's four okay. pieces of like a map. Or, like, a puzzle Yeah,
1: The map pieces, right? Yeah. Man, I remember the bosses... Well, just one boss. You get to the end of the one boss, and there's the guy, and he's wearing, like, the big mask, and he's kind of jumping around and throwing stuff at you. I remember that just being absolutely impossible.
0: Absolutely impossible is basically what I remember about this game. (laughs) Like, it was really rough. Mm -hmm. Really rough. And... Unlike Keith Courage, I do not believe there were continues, or at least there were a limited number of continues, if I recall. Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah, I I have no idea. I just remember it being incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, But there were, in between each level, I must have beaten it at some point. Well, I must have beaten a level at some point, because in between each one, you get to do a hang-gliding level. Do you remember the hang-gliding?
0: Yes. Uh, So, you're like the little kid, and he's got like... yeah the flying boomerang. That he
1: <laughs> yeah, you're on a flying boomerang of sorts and you're hang gliding behind the airplane. Which is a thing (laughs) And uh You control the airplane But you get points If you like swing the kid Into stuff (laughs) If you like If you turn the plane a little bit Or you like bring the plane hard to the left Then the kid flies to the left You know and so you kind of got to control him And you got to drag him Into things in the air Uh I, I assume against his will. <laughs> it, wh- <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, look, there's things out there. We It doesn't count if the plane hits them. You got to go out on there in the boomerang, and we're going to pull you through the air. It'll be fine. We'll go super fast. You, you'll hardly fall at all.
0: <laughs> it definitely ranks like second in terms of best boomerangs behind Sokka's boomerang is what I'd have to say
1: <laughs> yeah well it's good that there's a big whole list of best boomerangs <laughs> yeah. that's good but
0: yeah I don't know I don't think Talesman was very good I, I mean I don't know if we need to talk about it that much
1: I don't think it was very good either um, but I don't remember it too well uh, but yeah, I don't remember. I just remember it being super difficult and super clunky as well. Yeah. But I guess you are playing as Baloo the bear, and uh, I can't think of too many bears that are super agile. Like Banjo Kazooie, or Banjo is only uh, you know agile because he's got a bird in his backpack and can mm-hmm. you know that helps him out. But I can't think of any other games when you're a bear, just a bear, and you're super quick.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of all time list of agile bears, like Banjo is probably number one, and then <laughs>
1: Banjo's up there. I, I, Baloo's probably on the list, but only because there's fewer than ten agile bears in video game history.
0: I mean, yeah, I wonder if how Yogi Bear plays in his games. I probably pretty well because he's
1: he's pretty tricky. He's oh, you know he's he, you gotta you gotta wake up pretty early in the morning to outsmart Yogi, you know. So, uh, I assume <laughs> I've never interacted with him personally, but I think he'd probably be pretty pretty tough. Um, did you ever play Darkwing Duck then on the TurboGrafx-16? No. No, yeah. So Darkwing Duck was you know a game based off of the television show Darkwing Duck, uh, which was another Disney franchise, and I don't really remember the characters of Darkwing Duck too well. I think that it was. Uh, Like, obviously Darkwing Duck was the main character But as far as I know, I don't think it was a spin-off or anything like that I think that they just created new characters I don't remember any other, like, Disney uh, characters being in there or anything like that They just created all these new things for it
0: There's, like, a super loose tie-in with DuckTales Where, like, on DuckTales there was, like, a robot guy There was, like, a guy that was a robot and he had, like, one wheel And then that guy showed up on Darkwing Duck
1: Oh, okay. So that's that's really ten so it's almost like being like, Okay, remember that episode of DuckTales where they had that hat? Well, this guy's also wearing that hat, so hmm, hmm
0: <laughs> That's how you do spin offs though. You do like one episode where it's like, Hey, you make cousin Fred and then cousin Fred has <laughs> his own show next week. Like that. Yeah,
1: that's true. I'm glad that you just kinda you just very much like that's how spinoffs work, Cliff. <laughs> I'm like, remember that time when when Kelsey Grammer was on Cheers, and then suddenly he's on his own show. It was so stupid. And you're like, yeah, that's called a spinoff.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I'll grant. I mean, I'll grant you that that's different because Kelsey Grammer was like a, you know, a character on Cheers.
1: Yes, yes, he was. That is different. But I mean, I'm like, on the,
0: Sorry, I'm, please
1: continue. I'm. T- I was just saying, I'm on the Darkwing Duck. Uh, Wikipedia page now And it's like the fourth sentence It says, it is a spinoff of DuckTales
0: <laughs> But I'm s-
1: but I'm still really wondering I'm like, how is it a spinoff of DuckTales? Oh wait Maybe this is it Okay, Darkwing Duck Are you ready for this? I'm reading this off the Wikipedia page Because we're going down this rabbit hole Darkwing Duck was inspired by Two specific episodes of DuckTales Double O Duck Starring Launchpad McQuack as a secret agent ...and the Masked Mallard, in which Scrooge McDuck becomes a masked vigilante superhero wearing a purple uniform and cape. The name the Masked Mallard became an epithet, often used in the new show to refer to Darkwing himself. So that's not really as direct as I thought it was going to be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is, though. I can't believe I forgot that. Launchpad McQuack is the sidekick of Scrooge and Darkwing Duck.
1: Oh, is Launchpad in uh, Darkwing Duck as well? Yeah, he,
0: he he's there in like every episode I totally forgot that part
1: Oh my gosh Now I'm on the... Oh, I thought there was an entire Wikipedia page for Launchpad McQuack. Quack There's not, it's There's just not? a paragraph Just a paragraph That's for a list of Donald Duck Universe characters Oversight okay, I know, it is uh, Yeah, he's in... Well, there it is That's your thread that's the piece that links them together. It's Launchpad. He's in both. <laughs> he is the Kelsey Grammer of the DuckTales universe.
0: I could see that. I could <laughs> see that. They're both. Kelsey Grammer is a big dude. He's. Big he's a, yeah, he has a foreboding presence. <laughs> and Launchpad and Aquatic is is a borderline alcoholic. So, I mean, they, there's a lot of tie in
1: is there i don't remember that episode with Merrill struggling with launch pads addiction
0: that was in my au fan fiction <laughs> that's,
1: that's where it was yeah. yeah well i guess i guess that's fine they, they had tailspin too and it was like, what if uh, what if all the jungle book characters were uh, i don't know airplane pilots
0: yeah that's good that's good yeah that's like, good like the monkey a bartender
1: Oh yeah, that'll that'll work with kids (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so in Darkwing Duck No, in the video game Darkwing Duck You play as Darkwing Duck And you have to go through levels And you you find puzzle pieces In this one, and then there's a stage You go to in between where you take the puzzle pieces And you rearrange them And you try and solve the mystery (laughs) 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 And, uh, And I guess once you get all the puzzle pieces It shows you like, the final level, and then you can go... You're like, oh, that's where the final world is, and you can go there. Um, but I remember it also being pretty difficult. But I do remember getting towards the end of that game. Uh, and I think... I, I don't think it's at the end of the game, but there's a villain in the game called Megabolt. And uh, he's like a rat who has, like, a plug on top of his head. He's got, like, he can control the electricity or something like that. <coughs> and, uh... I think he might have been the final boss, or he might have just been a boss mm. in one of the levels. I don't, uh, I don't remember. But it was also it had the same like awkward clunkiness, you know that you would almost expect from a licensed game. Um, but pretty similar to Tales, but is what I'm saying.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah, but I think it was fun though. I seem to remember it being fun.
0: Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the the sports games that were available for the system. Sure. There were a few. There were... Uh, mm-hmm. So, at this point in video game history, it was still a bit of a challenge to even represent sports on any console. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, at that point, the NES had, like, play-action football and 10-yard fight, and mm-hmm. I think maybe Tecmo Super Bowl had come out just then, but... It was still not like a realistic depiction And these games were not Like TV sports football is not a realistic depiction of football
1: (laughs) No, not particularly
0: No, there are You can call four plays Okay Or you can reverse them
1: Okay, and that's That's Well, that's just like a regular football game
0: Right, yeah, of course And then uh, the defense has four formations And you can reverse the formation Mm -hmm. And that's That's pretty much it Yeah that's yep. all that happens. Yeah, that doesn't sound particularly complex, then. No, uh, not really. And the passing, I could, I could never do the passing. It's like this timing-based thing where you have to like hold down the button to continue to have the ball travel through the air, and you need to like you can't. It doesn't automatically follow a route. Like if the players, you have to like aim where the player is going to be. And then okay. throw in that direction and hold the button to make sure it lands there.
1: It's <laughs> very complicated.
0: So seven-year-old Bill was not having that. So that it was basically all in the running game. Okay, sure. And the only way I could ever figure out how to run was uh, the the offensive line would like break up into three distinct blocks, mm-hmm. and if you could lure all the defenders to go outside the blocks or through only one of the blocks, you could go through the other usually mm. and sprint ahead of them and get a the gainer touchdown.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And that was basically how I played every game. That's the only <laughs> that's way I could a, figure out.
1: That's just how you do it. You figure you found the one strategy that works, and then you just do it every single time.
0: Exactly. Pretty much.
1: Mm hmm. And oh, that's. The... Uh oh. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, and then uh, in the. There was a thing much like in Tecmo Super Bowl where they would do like cinematic moments where like it cut to an animated version of a person behind a desk describing the game, <laughs> or they'd like try and do some animated stuff where uh, uh, if you did a field goal, it mm-hmm. would just cut to a cinema of the ball going up, and then and then a guy it would pan to a guy for on your team in a helmet doing a big thumbs up. <laughs> and it would say it's good hey, it's good well yeah that's you know if someone it's good thumbs up yeah okay I can see that sure. Right. Mm-hmm. and the same thing with TV sports hockey <laughs> is they would have these cinematic moments where if you were on a breakaway it would uh, cut from the regular game to like this three frame animation like almost a quick time <laughs> event where you, you can choose a direction where the shot will go and then the goalie can match up or mat- not match up and then you score or don't score Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, that's kind of a shame when it's a game about timing or, like, reflexes, and then it comes down, ultimately, to a quick time event. That's kind of I I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Well, hmm. unfortunately, I think a lot of game developers decided they liked it. Yeah,
1: I guess they do like it, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's fun. I didn't... Uh, I, th- I had, like, Davis Cup Tennis for sports games, and, but I never played it. I also had, like, I think it was called Andre Ponza Kickboxing. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'd never really played that either, because I didn't, like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't into kickboxing. Um, but, you know, I, we had these games. Um, but there was one which was a racing game, and it was called Final Lap Twin. And uh, it was about, like, I guess, you know, car racing. (laughs) I don't know what specific subsection of that, but you, you know, you get your car, you race around, you do that sort of stuff, right? So it's a pretty basic sort of, you know, uh, racing game. Um, But the fun thing that it had as well was something called Quest Mode, which was insane. When it goes into this, like, Top-down view, almost. You're this little sprite character, and you're walking around town, and you can go and talk to different people and things like that. And then you go and find like the tough guy, and you race against him, and your car gets better every time you lose. Your dad gives you (laughs) five hundred dollars, and this was—it was just so strange. It was like they almost put in like an RPG for car racing, which was just (laughs) felt like really tacked on into this game but I remember it being extremely bizarre and also incredibly difficult. I could never really do it. I could never figure it out. Which seems to be the theme of what we're talking about today. Uh, last time when we were talking about, you know, Bonk and things like that, it was like, oh man, we figured that game out. But nowadays, it's like, I couldn't get a handle on this game. Um, but I couldn't do that with Final Lap Twin either. My brother apparently is super good at it and beat it in its entirety. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, somehow. But, um, uh, yeah, but that was Final Lap Twin.
0: And that's kind of interesting. I mean, I mean, uh, a lot of people clamor for games that are less hand-holdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because perhaps we've moved the needle too far in the other direction where there's too much input from the game on how to play it, how not to miss things, how to understand fully without, without mm-hmm. any possibility for surprise. But mm-hmm. with these games where a lot of the instruction was left to the manual, and if the manual didn't handle it, then you were SOL. hmm mm-hmm. Then that wasn't very fun for us. <laughs>
1: no, no, it certainly
0: wasn't. Um, there's,
1: uh, but there's, I mean, there's something to be said for good game design when they, uh, when they are able to really just teach you how to play the game without, you know, explicitly telling you how to play the game or setting it up too much. Um, you think about something like Bomberman. Alright, or Bomberman 93 Specifically, which was the As far as I'm concerned, the pinnacle of bomber Manning um, But in Bomberman it like, let's say you didn't know anything About the game, right, it throws you into a, An arena And you're stuck in a little tiny Corner, right So you don't have a whole lot of room to move Right, and let's say you're in the top Left corner, normally you could just move Down, or you could move to the Right But that's it. You're in a little tiny section. So you start off the game just in this little tiny section. You see that, and you say, okay, I guess I can move. Maybe you kind of move back and forth and do that sort of stuff. Maybe you push one of the buttons, but at the beginning of the game, the only button that you'd be able to push would put a bomb down. Right? So let's imagine that it's at the start of the game, you don't move at all, you push a button, you put a bomb directly underneath where you are, if you walk off that bomb, you'll see that you can't get around it, you can't get around that bomb, and then boom, the flame explodes and it kills you. Right, mm-hmm. So you learn immediately, you're like, okay, alright, if I put a bomb down, I have to avoid the fire, right? So maybe you, the next time yeah. Which is, you know, that's
0: <laughs> that's
1: uh, You're laughing But it's, you know, it's but maybe yeah, you, a mechanic You don't know
0: how it operates in this universe Yeah,
1: you don't know, right? You're like, okay I don't know what I'm doing in this game, right? But even without looking at the manual, the game teaches you This sort of stuff, right? So let's say next time The game starts, you move to the right You put a bomb down, then you move back to the left And you say, oh, okay, if I go down here I'll get out of the way of the fire Right? And you do that and then maybe you see that the fire from the bomb hits one of the destroyable blocks i don't know if destroyable is a word. destructible destructible is much better um you it hits one of the destructible blocks it destroys it maybe there's a little icon there or something that comes up as well and it's something that's flashy and new and you go and grab it you discover oh now you can lay more than one bomb at the same time it's a very sort of gradual sort of thing um With Bomberman, it starts you off in a very tiny little area so that you have to kind of learn and figure your way out. But by the time you get out, you're a little bit more powerful, you're a little bit more familiar with the mechanics and everything like that. So it nicely kind of ramps up the difficulty when you play Bomberman, but it also sort of teaches you the game as well. But it's neat in the sense that it, uh, even veteran players of Bomberman and new players of Bomberman will start at the same spot in the game. Um, and you have to build up and you need to work your way through it so even a veteran is going to know immediately what they have to do to get out of the section that they start in, but even someone who's new unless they you know really mess it up off the top and hit the bomb button right away they're going to be able to figure it out and try and get out and generally have a better idea of what they're supposed to do by the end of the game which is, uh, which is pretty cool, and that's a nice way that the game just teaches you these mechanics uh, uh, without being you know, overly um, hand-holdy
0: yeah, no, I, th- I think Bomberman, even with its limited inputs, does a great job of visually instructing you how to play the game with little penalty, and that was part of the issues, part of the issues, many of the issues that these games faced is that they could not properly hit the line between showing you what to do or not showing you what to do, or worse, mm-hmm. having too harsh of a penalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like with, with no continues or with too few lives. yeah.
1: Yeah, just completely, you mess up a couple of times, the game throws you way back, you know, or it just restarts entirely or something like that. Um, That was always a bit of a shame. One game that was really good with Continues was New Adventure Island, um, which was, of course, also in the TurboGrafx-16. But in New Adventure Island, uh, you play as this islander, and you're running and running and running on the island right um instead of having a timer it has sort of like a life meter that continually sort of runs out gets smaller and smaller and you need to jump and get fruit and things like that to replenish your uh, life meter right um and so you gotta kind of run as fast as you can while trying to dodge enemies and things like that which is pretty neat if you like games when you have to run super super fast and dodge things that's pretty much all you're doing in new adventure island um but uh, it's, it's, it's fun, but it can be tricky and that sort of stuff. But the nice thing is that uh, if you die, if you lose all your lives, it'll just start you again at the same level that you were before, and the only penalty is you've lost your score, right? So if you don't really care about your score or anything like that, you can just play through and keep playing the same levels over and over and over until you beat them, and you'll just keep going through. You can get through the entire game because every time you die, it'll just start you off at the same level you were at before.
0: That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of a precursor to the runner games that have come along mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. the last five, ten years, yeah.
1: Yeah, something like it really... New Adventure Island really reminds me a lot of, like, Bit Trip Runner, right? Yeah. Um, it, very similar sort of mechanics. Uh, the only difference there in New Adventure Island, you can control how much you run. Like, I mean, you can stop if you want. Bit Trip Runner, you can't really do that. Um, but it's, you know, got the same... Uh, aspect of it. I think in many ways the levels are designed that you can run through them at max speed as long as you're good at jumping and dodging in time. Uh, there are times when you might need to like slow a little bit or like double back or do something like that just to avoid enemies. But for the most part, if you're paying attention to it, you can just fly through the levels, which is pretty satisfying to do.
0: Well, you know, I think a newer game, granted, that does a great job of minimizing the death penalty and even kind of makes it a humorous element of the game is super meat boy
1: oh yes yeah um, super meat boy I mean if you, com- if you successfully complete a level it only takes you like five seconds maybe right um, so when you die it's super good at launching you right back into the game you die meat goes everywhere you start immediately again
0: right? so why don't we then talk about super meat boy for our next episode. Oh, I see what you're
1: doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably should have uh, figured that out earlier. Yes, we will talk about Super Meat Boy next
0: time. That's right. That, that'll be our topic for our next episode. But until then, thank you for listening to this episode of So Many Brits. So, <laughs> <laughs> so many Brits. So many Brits. To a close, next episode. Uh, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at com. you can like us on facebook at so many bits follow us on twitter and tumblr at so many bits subscribe to us on itunes rate review or listen to us on soundcloud and last but not least please check out the rest of the second wing collective for other podcasts support independent art the spirit of dell compels you
1: it was kind of a talk 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 and then all of a sudden okay we gotta cut this we're at an hour we're done
0: (laughs) (laughs) I yeah uh, could do more grace about that no that's
1: fine that's fine hey if you let me go I'll keep going
0: well it does leave us a bit of material for maybe a third part
1: ah it does for bunks big adventure nope nope not doing (laughs) that not doing that
0: third third episodes off the table well thank you folks.